News Weekly is an ad-free listener-supported podcast made possible by listeners like you. Just go to patreon.com slash Sammy Shah, that's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, to support the podcast. Top Stories of the Week Australian taxpayers now able to afford woolies again. Also, not enough people coming in the land down under. And no more scomo. All that and more on News Weekly. Hello and welcome to News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. If they break promises, will they also break my heart? News now. If there's one thing no one expects from politicians, it's to keep an election promise. Election promises by politicians are kind of like the promises you make to yourself when you look in the mirror and say, okay, no more fish buns from the Indian store down the road. Then you walk away from the mirror and you have three of those fluffy, spicy pillows and now your tummy hurts and you probably have diarrhea for the next 24 hours. But it's not really your fault. Mirror World Sammy knows that real world Sammy lies It's Mirror World Sammy's fault for believing Real World Sammy. It's kind of like that with election promises. It's why no one was surprised when Scott Morrison's Liberal government won the 2019 election promising a federal anti-corruption body and then just never made one. The media didn't make a big deal about that because they knew an election promise wasn't a real promise. That's probably why in the days before the 2022 election, the press spent so much time getting Anthony Albanese to promise to stick to the stage three tax cuts which had already been legislated. Do you remain committed to them and will you continue to support the stage three tax cuts uh, if there is a condition of doing a deal to achieve government is to drop them? Where do you stand on them? Are you willing to trade that away for government with the Greens? They've been legislated. We support them. We stand by that. We don't support the Greens. As Labor leader, I am absolutely determined to look to the future, not relitigate the past. Labor vowing not to repeal an already legislated but still to be implemented tax cut. Those were from 2022 and that was Mirror World Labor saying it would stop eating fish buns if that's what got it into office. At the time, the stage 3 tax cuts were already controversial. So controversial, in fact, that the Morrison government was open to changing them, as you can hear from former Treasurer Josh Frydenberg. Our policies are never set and forget, so we continue to assess all our payments, both business and income support. Josh Frydenberg there showing the kind of moral flexibility that probably got him his current job at Goldman Sachs. Well, now that they've been in office long enough to not be able to ignore the fact that inflation's gotten so bad, the average Australian's grocery shopping has gone from Woolies to Aldi to old Chinese lady on the corner who yells at you if you don't have cash. The Labour government has decided real-world Labour needs to do what mirror-world Labour promised it wouldn't. Side by side with the Foreign Minister on his way to start a domestic fight, Anthony Albanese taking the axe to the Stage 3 tax cuts. We will be doing the right thing for the right reasons. Those reasons are probably because Labour would like everyone to forget about the voice to parliament referendum. But still, the changes are significant. See, the original stage 3 tax cuts would have given people earning $45,000 and under nothing. 
but now they will get $804. However, if you were earning $200,000, you would have gotten $9,075 out of that, but now you'll have to make do with a measly $4,529. And based on the reactions of most of Australian media, you can tell which tax bracket senior broadcast journalists are more likely to fall into. The changes to the Stage 3 tax cuts will be less generous for top earners and amount to a broken promise. Under intense grilling, the Prime Minister has attempted to salvage his credibility while also refusing to concede he's broken an election promise to leave Stage 3 tax cuts untouched. Yeah, well, it's not better for more than a million Australians who are now going to have that tax cut that they were banking on making plans on halved. The opposition Liberal Party has, of course, also picked up the line of broken promises, almost as though the responses from media and politicians are scripted by groups of advisers who share notes with each other. The Prime Minister has knowingly and willingly lied to the Australian people. Opposition leader Peter Dutton there, who once lied by saying offshore asylum seekers were being encouraged to self-harm, lied by saying refugees were making false allegations of sexual assault, lied when he said the father of the Biluila family left Australia while seeking asylum, lied about a sexual Salt and Manus Island, and then lied about an offer to symbolically recognise Indigenous Australians in the Constitution. Maybe that's him complimenting Albanese in his own way? Dutton and every journalist on a $200,000 salary weren't the only ones reacting to the government's announcement, like a child discovering they weren't brought around by a stork as promised, but actually conceived when mummy and daddy got drunk on red wine and did it for under two minutes on the couch. Here's Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry Chief Andrew McKellar reacting in a calm and reasonable manner to the new tax cuts. Mark down the 24th of January 2024 as the death of tax reform in this country. Well, Andrew McKellar needn't worry. The coalition is still committed to tax reform. All it needs is for every Australian to simultaneously fall down, hit their head and get long-term amnesia and thus vote them back into government. The only problem is, as Walid Ali points out to Senator Bridget McKenzie of the Nationals here, it's not a great election-winning strategy. This puts you guys in a really interesting position. So your Liberal partners have vowed to undo the changes, undo any changes that Labor makes if uh, you get elected at the next election, Um, which will mean you would be removing the additional tax cut for everybody that they're about to receive who's earning under $150,000. Are you really going to go to the next election with a tax increase for everybody who's under $150,000? Well, while taxes are always going to be lower under a Liberal National Coalition government, we know that election... Not quite my question, uh, though, and and the taxes are about to go down, especially for those people under $150,000, so they'll be taxing those people less than would have been in your plan. So will you be taking their tax cuts away if you win government next time? And so that's what we're committed to. So that's a uh, I'm yes. absolutely sure You'll that be... we will be taking a lower taxing environment at sorry, all. Sorry and to harp on it. I just want to be that. clear on this because a lower taxing environment is a very big statement. That's a very broad sort of statement. And that could mean that mm. it's a lower taxing environment, but not for you personally, this particular voter. So I just want to be really clear. Those people who are on $150,000 or less right now who stand to get a bigger tax cut than they were expecting, at the next election, your plan is to take that tax cut off them, to increase their tax bill because you want to revert to the structural reform that you had in play that was legislated in 2019. Is that right? Walid Ali there reminding us that the ABC should have offered him Q&A or something else primetime instead. So it seems the government has now proven itself untrustworthy by 
coming up with a fairer tax system that, according to the Treasury, instead of costing $388 billion over a decade, would now cost $359 billion, creating a saving of $28 billion, which, according to the media, is proof of Labour's inability to keep a promise and therefore lose the trust of the public, as opposed to perhaps the public appreciating a government that is willing to change policies based on the needs of the time, as opposed to demanding it stick to bad decisions because it pinky swore that one time. In the meantime, at least now all Australians will have a little bit more money to donate to my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Shaw. How many Australians is too many Australians? News now. As a country, Australia has a conflicted relationship with migration. On the one hand, it needs a steady flow of migrants to come here and supplement the workforce and create all kinds of growth. On the other hand, sometimes those migrants look different and have funny accents, and that's just scary. It's especially scary because in the past, Australia had less people, and now it has more people, which is kind of the way people happen, but Australians thought that they were immune for some fucking reason. Australia's population has passed the 27 million mark. According to the population clock of the Australian Bureau of Statistics, we reached the milestone yesterday. It's exceeded the predictions of the first intergenerational report back in 2002, which expected Australia to reach 25.3 million in 2042. That's right. We've exceeded the predictions made in 2002, which was a long time ago, where people made questionable life choices, as highlighted by this demographer on ABC News Breakfast. So let's put this in perspective. A lot of people are kind of holding on to uh, a twenty a 2002 figure of a population projection. That was back when uh, sperm-shaped eyebrows were all a rage. We were over-plucking our eyebrows and so on. Well, those cum-browed analysts in 2002 may have thought they were being generous with their predictions of Australian population growth, but they didn't realise how many migrants Australia would be taking in. Here's the project with the most hackneyed background music choice a report like this could make. So where are all these people coming from? Australia's recent population history is one of immigration. Proportionally, more of our growth in this country is attributed to immigration. They come from the land where the mangoes grow, where the curries are hot and the diarrhea flows. India. They're they're mostly coming from India. And that's probably a good thing that they are, because if there's one thing we South Asians like to do, it's have babies. We are horny people. And Australia? It needs more horny. The other component of our growth, of course, is natural increase. The balance between births and deaths. That part of the equation has been declining and is one of the reasons immigration is now so high. Australia's population is an ageing population. Without immigration, Australia's population would have to do a hell of a lot more with a hell of a lot less. That is a hell of a lot more having babies with a hell of a lot less people you want to have babies with. And look, I get it. Have you seen most Aussie blokes? No one wants to have a baby with a guy named Gaza who's angry about Woolies not stocking flags and has a Collingwood tattoo on his calf. Gaza's good for a fun time, but he's clearly killed his sperm count with vaping. Meanwhile, a Desi guy will get you pregnant. On time, every time. Australia needs us Desis. We put the mmm in migration. I miss him already, news now. In a shocking turn of events, it turns out Scott Morrison was still in Parliament. 
That's right, the former Prime Minister, who everyone forgot about, was still drawing an annual salary of $211,000 as a representative for whichever fucking idiot suburb full of half-wit morons in Sydney decide to keep voting for him again and again. Well, finally, he decided to do what the electorate in Cook seemed unable to and take himself out of the running for the next election by resigning. Australia's 30th Prime Minister has now threatened to spend more time with his family and take a job with whichever corporation he managed to allow the most unfettered access during his time in office. Many may remember Morrison as the man who oversaw the abuse of refugees in Manus and Nauru and trying to cover up the murder of Reza Berati, an asylum seeker on Manus. Others may recall that time he went on holiday while Australia suffered catastrophic fires and refused to accept responsibility for his failures in leadership. Some might recall when he kept undermining the advice of experts and insisted Australia wouldn't go into lockdown until individual states forced his hand, or that time during lockdown when he suddenly secretly appointed himself the head of multiple ministries and then screwed up the vaccine rollout, or told women at a Women's Day speech they shouldn't take jobs away from qualified men, or said women protesting should be grateful they aren't being shot, or there's the whole handing of the Britney Higgins thing, or robo-debt, or you remember the rest, I'm sure. So, as Morrison prepares to hang up that hat he borrowed to look more like a daggy dad to appeal to fuckwits who think their prime minister needs to look as poorly read as they are, he took time out of his busy schedule of doing nothing to speak exclusively with Sky News after brain damages, Paul Murray, who began his interview by referring to himself in third person and showing a photo of that time Morrison introduced him to Trump. We also were able to be there as Australia was being honoured by the United States at the White House, and for this little bogan, that was quite the experience of being able to meet the President of the United States. The photo still stays here in the man cave each and every night just to send lefties crazy. Best selfie ever. So, what does Morrison think we should do with his legacy? Um, you know, you let all the, the extent there's bitterness, you let it go. You, you let all of those things go. I'm sure there's things that you know, you know, people will need to forgive me for, and I'll forgive them. There you go. You can rest easy now. He's forgiven us for everything we made him do wrong. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly and all local news and News Weekly. For once, I thought I'd take a break from all the international news. That will be back next week, I'm sure. Uh, by the way, if you want to watch the video for the live News Weekly show, the audio came out last week on the feed. The video is available on my YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Sammy Shah News Weekly. Or if you are a member of my Patreon, it should be available over there as well. It's got stand-up, it's got Q&A section with the audience, and it's got the actual News Weekly episode itself. Thank you so, so much again to all the people who came. Almost 100 people came to the live News Weekly show, way more than I had ever planned on um, performing in front of. So that was really, really exciting. We will definitely have more live News Weeklies. I'm trying to figure out a kind of schedule for how I can do them on a, in a sustainable way. But in the meantime, I'll see you right back here next week on News Weekly, where we punch news in the headlines weekly. Thank you.